Hey, this is Jessica, your web church host. Welcome to Calvary FL Online. We're so blessed to have you join us today, along with viewers from all over the world. We consider you family and count it an honor that you feel blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to share what God is doing in your life, please email us at stories at calvaryfl.com. Also, if you would like to give or be a part of what God is doing at Calvary, you can do so by logging on to calvaryfl.com or by giving through our Calvary FL app. Thank you for joining us for today's worship experience. if you know he's worthy come on you've been praising all morning but I just want to know if anybody in this room knows that he's worthy is there's anybody in the room that knows if he never blessed you again if he never healed your body touched your mind he would still be worthy to be praised so you can get to a place in your walk with God that if he never did another thing if he never blessed you one more time he would still be worthy of this kind of worship. Come on. We'll stay standing one final moment. As you can tell, I am not Pastor Jim Rayleigh. And no, I am not preaching today. But we have something so special for you. Uh, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. It is a government design by which the king decrees a thing and its citizens proclaim the rights to the thing that the king decreed. The order then by which you receive those things, watch this, is they are transported through this thing called covenant relationship. And the order of the kingdom when it comes to covenant relationship is that of fathers to sons and sons to fathers. That's why the Bible spends a whole lot of time telling you who begat who begat who begat who. Not so that you can get bored and go to sleep but so that you understand that when things get transferred in the kingdom, they come through relationship called sons and fathers. I'm here today to tell you that while I am a son to probably one of the greatest spiritual fathers in this country, pastors Jim and Don Rayleigh, I am also, while I am a son, I am a father, a spiritual father. And the young man that's about to preach in this room today is more than just an employee of Calvary Christian Academy or somebody who plays on the keys he's a son in 2011 he walked into our ministry in north carolina and it didn't take me very long to figure out he's anointed and gifted how many know there's a difference between the two and through his submission to this thing called the kingdom and father and son relationship god has raised him up and this morning you're hearing more than just a man preach you're hearing a son who has come into maturity to take a hold, to take ownership of this moment. Now I want you, you know how we do it here at Calvary. Give it up for a son of this house, a son of my ministry, Demetrius McCray. As he brings the word, I love you, son. Preach. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, God is good. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, God is good. 
If you really believe God is good, why don't you shout hallelujah? Come on, shout hallelujah. Yes, amen, hallelujah. Amen, praise God. I hope you're ready for the word because I'm ready for the word. Hope you brought your Bibles. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to continue standing, continue standing. And my God, I want to thank God for this opportunity to be able to stand uh, before you and preach to you today. Um, none of this would be possible without our pastors, pastors Jim and Don Rayleigh. Can we give it up for them? Amen. And I want to thank God for my spiritual father, um, Pastor Josh Carter. I've been, like he said, I've been with him for, for seven years, going on seven years now. One thing I can say about this man is he's not just committed to the ministry in me. He's committed to my life. Um, my spiritual father, I, 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 I thank God for him because if there's one thing I can say about him is that he's loyal. He's loyal. He prays for me. He sees, he's seen me in some of the greatest moments of my life and some of the most painful moments, but he's counseled me and he prayed me through. Amen. Can we thank God for my spiritual father? Amen. All right. I hope you're ready for the word because I'm ready and I feel like preaching. All right, here we go. All right, let's go to the book of Acts, 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 Acts. There's a word from the Lord. Father, have your way. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 16, verse 20. Acts 16, verse 20. And he reads, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which, which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together and get against them, and the magistrates rent their clothes and commanded them to be beating. And when they laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who receiving such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, my Lord. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's, everybody's, Bands were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword. He would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and he sprang in, and he came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved in all your house. Turn with me real quick to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 27 and 28. Here we go. And it reads, and this word, yet once more signifying the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace. I want to pull my thought this morning back in Acts chapter 16 uh, from verse 28. Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. When I was reading this text, it occurred to me that everything shook and nobody died. So if it wasn't sent to kill me, then it must have sent, been sent to bless me. Would you look at your neighbor and share with them my thoughts? Say, neighbor, this is the shaking that blessed me. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, this is the shaking that blessed me. Let's pray. Father, shake everything in this room. Shake everything in this room till you give us a revelation of who we are. Shaking everything in this room till you give us a revelation of what we carry. We say, Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. 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 You can take your seats.
Now, I believe if there's anything that you, that you must understand in this room, it is that if you desire to experience a victorious life in Christ, then it comes to you, it comes through you knowing and applying the word of God. It comes through knowing the word of God. Watch this. Because knowing the word of God means that you know God's ideas. God's ideas are communicated through his word. The fact that God will allow his ideas to come from his mind, out of his heart, and out of his mouth tells me that it is the desire of God for us to know what he's thinking. Yes. God wants you to know what he thinks about you. God wants you to know what he thinks about your marriage. God wants you to know what he thinks about your relationship. God wants you to know what he thinks about your friendships. Listen, God wants you to know what he thinks about your life. By the way, let me ask you, what does God think about you? And do you think about you the way that God thinks about you? Because what good is your future, your purpose, and your destiny if you don't even see you right? Listen, seeing you right is half the battle. If you can see you right, then you can walk into everything that God has designed for you. What does God think about your children? What does God think about how you handle your finances? What does God think about your job? What does he think about your career, the last decision you made? Watch this, because when it comes to you thinking about things the way that God thinks about them, it will change how you manage them. If you can think about you correctly, then that, maybe that'll change how you treat you. There are some of you in this room who think that every time something bad happens to you, it's God punishing you for your past. But can I tell you that God is not interested in punishing you for your past? God is interested in preparing you for your future. <laughs> Slap somebody high five and say, I got a future! He wants you to think on his level. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And to know God's word is not just to know his ideas, but to know his will. To know what God desires. Can I tell you in this room this morning that there are things that God wants for you? There are things that God desires for you to have. There are things that God wants you to possess. Do you know that when Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected on that cross, that he didn't just die for you to get a ticket into heaven one day, but he died to get some things to you because there's an inheritance with your name on it. There are, there are kingdom miracles with your name on it. There are blessings with your name on it. There's healing with your name on it. There are resources with your name on it. Tell somebody is saying, it's got my name on it. There are things that God has for you. He wants you to have. He wants you to have. Watch this because there's a certain life that God wants you to live. He said, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you hope, and to give you an expected end. God desires for you to live the blessed life. God desires for you to live a prosperous life. Is there anybody that wants the life that God has for you? Shout hallelujah. Now he's there's a life he wants us to live, and, and that's why the Bible says things like, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, because while you're reading the word, it'll read you. While you're reading God's word, it'll start to deal with areas in your life that you refuse to confront. When you're reading God's word, it'll deal with the bad attitude. It'll deal with the pride in you. It'll deal with years and years of frustration and bitterness and anger and unforgiveness because the word of God comes to change your life. Because what good is you possessing everything that God has for you if you don't have the character to maintain it? Nothing mismanages a blessing like poor character. God desires for you to have a life 
where you live, where you are transformed. See, this is not a weak, watered-down gospel. This gospel, when the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom comes into your life, it doesn't just make you feel better. It doesn't just give you a makeover, but it makes you completely new. Is there anybody in this room that can say, I am a new creature in Christ, and all things are passed away, and all things, all things have become new. All things, all things. So, so he, he desires you to live. It's like, watch this, because, because God's word is transformational. God's word, the only reason that his word is transformational is because it's truth. Jesus says, Father, your word is truth. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you. See, knowing the word of God means that you know how to access freedom. But applying the word of God means that you experience freedom. I wonder what area of your life you've yet to experience freedom in because you've yet to apply his word to that area. Could it be that you're still bound and still addicted and still frustrated because you've yet to apply that word to your life? God's word will set you free. He's given us a word. He's just like you got keys to a car and what good are the keys if you never use them? That's why God gives us principles. He gives us the principles so that when we apply the principle, we can experience the life that he has for you. So his word is truth. His word is, is truth. It's truth. It's truth. Look at somebody say God's word is truth. It's, it's truth. Notice he says that his word is truth. That means that your experiences don't determine truth. It is within our human nature to develop our own personal truths on the basis of what we experience. But it is dangerous for you to develop a truth on the basis of a bad experience. I'm 27 years old, and my, my parents, they recently got a divorce. It's one thing to grow up seeing your parents together your whole life, and then you get in your 20s, and you're a grown man, and you see your parents get a divorce. It, it hurts. But I could easily look at that bad experience and say, because they got a divorce, I'll never have a successful marriage. I'll never have a successful relationship. I'll never get married. But you know what I've determined in my mind? I've determined in my mind to live by the Word of God, because I I believe that there's a life that God has for me that regardless of what I have experienced, God has something great for me. He has something great for you. Watch this, because you can, you can extract wisdom from an experience. The Bible talks about two types of wisdom. Just be mindful of which wisdom you extract from that experience. The Bible talks about the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. It says that the wisdom of the world is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Watch this. It's earthly because it's based on what I see. It's sensual because it's based on what I feel. And it's devilish because it's demonically influenced. So the way that you extract wisdom from a bad experience or a good experience is through the Word of God. Look at somebody and say, filter your experiences through the Word of God. And where we, where we pick up uh, in the book of Acts, Luke, the physician, he writes, he says, I'm writing to you, O Theophilus, of the things that Jesus began. This is in Acts chapter 1. He says, of, of the things Jesus began to both do and to teach. And whenever Jesus would teach, Jesus says that my doctrine is not my own. My teachings are not my own, but they are the words of my father. And it is the desire of Jesus. Jesus says, he says, if any man hears my words and does them, he says, I liken him to a man who built his house upon a rock. Can I tell you this morning that it is the desire of God for you to make his word your foundation? It is the desire of God for you to make his word the foundation of your life. He says, a man that built his house upon the rock, 
And a man that built his house upon sand, he said, the one that hears it and does it builds, builds it upon rock. The one who hears it and does it not builds his house upon sand. Watch this. He says, but either way, the storm's coming. Regardless of the foundation that you choose to build your life off of, you're going to experience circumstances. You're going to experience trouble. There are some things that's going to blindside you. But he says your ability to stand, to withstand in the storm is on the basis of the foundation that you choose. What does your foundation look like this morning? He's, so watch this. He says you build your house upon a rocky foundation. A solid foundation because your foundational beliefs determine your perspective. If you're taking notes, you can take that. Your foundational beliefs determines the lens through which you see life. Every girl, if I say every girl I ever dated cheated on me, all girls are cheaters. Or you say every guy that I ever dated cheated on me, all men are dogs. Do you see what I mean by building your life on a lie? There are some of you in this room, you're like, every time I get a job, I can't keep a job. Lord knows I can't keep one, so I ain't going to go try to look for one. <laughs> but God doesn't want you to live your life on a faulty foundation. He wants you to have the right kind of foundation that determines the lens through which you see life. Watch this, because when you have the right foundation... When you have God's word as your foundation, God's word as your foundation will determine your beliefs. It will determine your behavior. It will determine your habits. And it will determine your customs. And ladies and gentlemen, prior to where we pick up in our text, the Bible says that Paul and Silas have come to Macedonia. Specifically, they have come to Philippi. They have come to Philippi, which is the, the chief city of Macedonia. And the Bible says that when they get there, when they get into this city, the Bible says that Paul and Silas go to pray, might I add, as it was their custom. The Bible says that on the outside of the city, they would go pray by this river. And it was customary that prayer was held there. Let me put it to you like this. Prayer was their custom. In other words, they had a prayer life. Because when God's word is your foundation, you got a prayer life. Watch this. When you got a prayer life, you are intentional about spending time with God. Nothing else comes before God. Watch this. God, spending time with God is your priority. So you don't put the kids above God. You don't put your husband or wife above God. You don't put your job above God. When God's word is your foundation, then you have a prayer life. There's nothing like praying unto God and spending time with God. One thing I've learned is that the more time you spend with God, the more you look like him. The more time you spend with God, the more clarity you have. The more time you spend with God, the more you have peace. Be anxious for nothing, but instead pray about everything. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart in your mind. Somebody has been wondering why you've been so stressed out. And God says, because you need to pray. There's nothing like praying. I grew up on prayer meetings, praying for hours. My God, the mothers that get down there in your ear and pray you on through and get you delivered. My Lord, I love it. Prayer. There's no way you can say you are a worshiper of God, but you think prayer is boring. If you think prayer is boring, then I question if you really have a true relationship with God because prayer is the means by which we communicate with God. Prayer is not just the means by which we communicate with God, but it's also the means by which we get things that are in heaven into earth. 
because he says let your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is and there are some of you I just heard this in the spirit you've been wondering why things have been held up in your life and God says all you need to do is pray unto me and call it down call down your increase call down your overflow call down salvation call down healing God says all you got to do is pray you pray because prayer is the means by which you partner with heaven. See, God desires his will to, listen, God's will is not going to automatically be done in your life without prayer. He says, I can't force this one on you. He says, but when you pray, you come into alignment with heaven. My God, this one even in my notes. When you pray, you come into align, alignment with heaven and you participate with God and you participate with heaven and things are done in your life that you've been seeking them for. So they have a prayer life and the Bible says that they go and as they're going to prayers, it was their custom. Everybody say it was their custom. It's, it was their custom. What's your custom? Mm-hmm. Is prayer your custom? Is worship your custom? It's praise your custom. As they're going, they, they encounter a woman named Lydia. The Bible says she was a seller of purple. It says that she was a worshiper of God. And, and, and the Bible says that God opened up her heart and they began to minister to her. What I love is this, is that they didn't allow what they were so accustomed to to keep them from ministering to somebody. See, the moment that you allow the ritual to become more important than the person, then you become religious. They took the moment and took the time to minister to this woman. They were not too busy. Oh, I, I, I got I to go to prayer. That's what some of us are like. I, I, I ain't got time. I, I, I got to go to prayer. I ain't got time. But God's like, there are people whose hearts he has opened for you to minister to. Why would you overlook what God has put in your path? My God. And they minister to this woman. And it says she invites them into her house. Because the moment that you make up in your mind that you're going to do what seems like an inconvenience to other people, God says favor is going to hit your life. You're going to be invited into houses, into platforms, into rooms that you never could have dreamed or imagined. I just believe that. Everybody lift up your hands right now. I just believe that favor is hitting somebody's life. Favor is going to hit your finances. Favor is going to hit your children's life. I feel the anointing right there. I feel it right there. God just told me that somebody's college tuition is going to be paid in Jesus name somebody give God a shout so the next day here we go everybody say here we go so the next day the Bible says as they went to prayer come on as they were going to prayer The Bible says there was a woman, specifically a slave girl. The Bible says she had a spirit of divination. And she kept following Paul and Silas saying, These are the men of God that's going to show us the way of salvation. These are the men of God that's going to show us the way of salvation. These are the men of God that's going to show us the way of salvation. How annoying is that? Thank you. How annoying is that? The Bible says that she is a slave. And she has masters who are making gain off of her bondage. Isn't it interesting that there are people in your life who have an agenda to make gain off of your bondage? See, that's why some people don't want you to change. 
they don't want you to change because they benefit from your bad habits. What you mean, what you mean you're going to church tonight? You usually come stay tonight. Well, we're not married. Some people don't want you to change. Watch this. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that, 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 that change is disturbing to the complacent. Anytime you are connected to somebody who refuses to change, they are disturbed because you're making a decision to change. Some of you right now, you're in friendships, you're in relationships, you're just like, man, I got to get out of this. I, I got to change. There got to be something different. I know there's something more. And they don't even know on the inside. You really desire change. And the Bible says that they are making gain off of her. And isn't it interesting? The Bible says she did this for many days. She will follow them many days as they were going to prayer. Isn't that just like the devil, that the moment he sees you have become consistent and committed and dedicated to something, he'll try to send a distraction in your life? He'll try to send something into your life that fights against your commitment. And the Bible says that she would follow them many days as they would go and pray because the enemy doesn't want you to be committed to your small group. The enemy doesn't want you to be committed to coming to church on Sunday morning. The enemy doesn't want you to be, watch this, because he knows the power of your commitment. He knows the power of your, he knows that there is something that you cannot get unless you are committed to God. So this voice is a voice of annoyance acting as an asset. She's saying all the right things, but she's annoying. Till finally, Paul turns around and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. Because I want to tell somebody today that there are some voices and some distractions and annoyances in your life that will not be silent until you turn around and confront them. Listen, you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be disrespectful, but don't be passive because your destiny is on the line. Your future is on the line. The Lord just told me to tell somebody, you got too much ahead of you to be distracted. You got too much ahead of you to be off focus. You got too much ahead of you to not be committed. God has a great future for you. Hey! I felt that one. All right, here we go. So they said, oh, man, what we going to do? Lord, my God, man, that's how we made our money. God, the Bible says, when he turned around and cast the spirit out of the lady, the Bible says that they saw that all their hope of gain was gone. Man, we ain't got no more money. Get the books. We, do we have any money saved up? We, we, ain't, got, we ain't got nothing. We ain't got no, What you been doing? I, I paid you to, to keep the money. Oh, well. And the Bible says they saw that their hope of gain was gone. And the Bible says, that, that they apprehended these men and they brought, them, they brought them before the magistrates, which is where we pick up in our text. And when they bring these men, the Bible says, the people, they gather around and say, these men indeed trouble our city. They trouble our city. These are troublemakers. They're disturbing. In other words, they're disturbing the territory. See, the enemy doesn't like when you disturb the territory. For some of you, when you go on your job, you disturb the territory. There are some people that can't understand why every time she coming to work, she's singing, every praise is to our God. Why she got to do that? I don't want to hear that every morning. She's talking about I'm blessed and highly favored because I am. You are disturbing the territory. 
Listen, if you're saying, man, them people at my job need Jesus, well, the Jesus is in you. The Jesus you say they need is in you, and God wants to use you to change it. Watch this. He says they're disturbing the territory because for some of you, when you go home, you, you won't tell your husband um, about how God moved today and what God did. And my, I tell you, God just blessed today. He just, hey, 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 hey. And you in overflow, you want to tell everybody, oh, my God, God just, I don't want to hear about what God did today. And you are disturbing the territory. But you know what the Lord told me? He says the fact that you have the ability to disturb it means that you have the potential to change it. God's about to use some people to change the temperature in your home, to change things on your job, to change things in the nation, to change things in the community. Somebody shout yes. You have what it takes to change it. Slap somebody high five and say you got what it takes. You got what it takes. Don't doubt yourself anymore. I know there's persecution and backlash and opposition coming at you, but you got what it takes. Shout, I got what it takes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being confident of this very thing that he that has begun a good work in me is faithful. He did it in you to do it through you. God says you got what I don't know who this is for, but God says you got what it takes. Hey, you got what it takes. My God, I feel him. So he says, these men trouble our city with customs everybody say customs say customs yeah we, we heard that word before right he says they're teaching customs which are not lawful for us to receive mm. my lord you know what i've learned in my 27 years of living that it doesn't matter how much you try to teach some people and show them a better way of living a better way of doing things a better way of thinking there are some people that have made up in their mind that they're just not going to change and you can't spend your time staying up at night, worrying yourself, not eating, not sleeping, and, and worrying about the fact that they just don't want to change. Here's what you got to do. Love them. Here's what you got to do. Show Christ to them. Because Christ will never tell you to be disrespectful. Amen. Some people, they determine their mind they're not going to change. So, because... They have determined that they're not going to change. The Bible says that these people, they take Paul and Silas. He said, put them in prison. Before you do it, beat them. You told Harpo to beat me. <laughs> I love Harpo. God knows I do. He said, beat them. Good God Almighty. I felt like my daddy just whooped me when I said it like that. So they beat these men with many stripes, and they put them in prison. As a matter of fact, when you put them in prison, put them way down in there, way down there. See, that's, that's North Carolina country talk right there. Put them way down in there. They said, put them in the inner prison. And, and, and one thing I, that I've learned that is when the devil gets intimidated and he becomes threatened by who you are and what you carry, he will do whatever it takes to confine you. He will try to confine you to people's opinions. He will try to confine you to doubt. He will try to confine you to worry. He will try to confine you to low self-esteem. But I came to tell somebody today that God is setting you free today from people's opinions. He's setting you free today from doubt. He's setting you free. Look at somebody say, I'm getting free today. Hey, I'm getting free today. My Lord. So they put him in, they put him in prison, put him in the prison, the Bible says. And at midnight, my God, can I do it? 
and at midnight, at midnight. The Bible says their hands and their feet were they're shackled and they're changed. Anybody know anything about midnight? Midnight is the darkest hour of your life. Midnight is the lowest moment of your life. You can't see the light, but it's so dark. And the Bible says in their darkest hour, they prayed and they sang praises. Do I have any people in this room that says even in my darkest hour, I'll give them praise. Even in my lowest moment, I'll shout out to the Lord. I still got a thank you, Jesus. I still got a hallelujah in my voice. Somebody jump up on your feet and shout hallelujah. So, so they, they, they're in the prison. They're in the prison and they're praying and singing praises and it's the darkest hour. Now, I want you to notice something. May I, can I add something? They prayed and sang praises as it was their custom. Because even when trouble hit their life, they didn't stop doing what they were accustomed to. When trouble hits your life, you don't need to stop praising. Watch this. And they didn't wait till they got into trouble to start praying and to start praising. Do I have any people that says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear of and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. So they're in prison and, and, and the Bible says they're praying and singing praises and the prisoners heard them. Mm, this is interesting to me because they, Paul and Silas are in prison for a certain reason and the other prisoners are in prison for a certain reason, but it may not be the same reason, but they're in the same situation. They are in the same situation producing two different responses. There are some people in this room who are in the same situation that you are in and they're watching. See, see, her marriage is going through some things, but she still got her hands up. The repo man came and repoed his car last week and they coming to get mine. And I've been hiding my car at my mama's house and he's still praising God. People are watching and listening to how you respond to the trouble that hits your life. People are watching and listening to how you respond to the opposition that comes into your world. And the Bible says that, 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 that they are praying and singing praises and the prisoners heard them. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here's what I'm about to give you. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you this. Here are the five blessings of the shaking. The five blessings of shake. Here's number one. Number one. Number one is this. Here's number one. The Bible says that the first thing that happened when there was an earthquake, it says that the foundations of the prison were shaking. Just as the foundations of the prison in the natural were shaken, so were the foundations of their lives. That's why I talk to you about foundations. Watch this. Because here's, here's number five. The first blessing of the shaking is this. Is that the, the shaking shows you the quality of your foundation. The shaking shows you what you have built your life off of, what you have built your career off of, what you have built your marriage off of, what you have built your ministry off of. Some of you, you would have never known what that relationship was built off of until everything got shaky. Some of you would have never known what that career was really worth until everything got shaky. There are some of you in this room, God says that, that, that your relationship with him has been on the basis of what he can do for you. And when everything got shaky, God said you got distant. When everything got shaky, you started to lack commitment. God says today is the day he's come to give you a new foundation. Look at somebody say, I'm getting another foundation today. 
Oh, I just got a revelation from God. If you receive this in your spirit, God says that as long as you breathe in, it's never too late to make his word your foundation. So here's number two, number two, number two. Are you ready? Here we go. We read in the book of Hebrews that everything that is shaken, uh uh-huh, everything that is shaken is removed. Mm -hmm. But everything that cannot be shaken mm -hmm, remains. Because here's what I want you to understand about the shaking. That even in the shaking, you're going to lose some things. Even in the shaking, you might lose a relationship. Even in the shaking, you might lose some things. You might lose some money. You might lose a job. Even if you might, because here's what the shaking does. Here's number two. It shows you the difference between what's eternal and what's temporary. Some of you would have never known if it was eternal and if it was from God if things hadn't been shaken. But I want you to notice something. That whatever is shaken is removed, but whatever is not shaken remains. I want to tell you, yes, you may lose some things, but you still got something left. Touch somebody and say, I may have lost some things, but I still got something left. Come on, I may have lost some friends. I may have lost some loved ones. I may have lost some money. I may have lost a job, but touch somebody and say, I still got something left. I still got a praise. I still got a thank you, Jesus. I still got a hallelujah. I still got his presence. I still got power. I still got grace. I still got love. Touch somebody and say, I got something left. I got something left. I got something left. I got something left. Here we go. Oh, just, here's the third thing. The third thing is this. Number three, the Bible says everybody's bands were loose. <laughs> See, when the shaking happens, God looses things from your life. Depression is loose from your life. Pride is loose from your life. Low self-esteem is loose from your life. Could it be that God is shaking things up because there's things he's trying to get to fall off of you? God said that bitterness, I've been trying to get it out of you, so I'm going to shake everything up. You have so much pride, you don't want to reach out for help, but God says, I'm going to shake things up. It loose things from your life. Here, number four, and I'm hurrying. I'm almost done. Watch this. So he says, number four. Number four is this. The Bible says that the prison doors, boom, they were open. They were open. They were open. And the Bible says, Paul and Silas stayed. Wait a minute. Why would you stay when you could run? The Lord spoke to me. He said, he says, because. He said, when, your word, when his word is your foundation, he says you have the ability to discern that not every open door is your door. The truth is, watch this, the truth is they are in a situation they don't want to be in it, but they're in it for a good reason. Because God can still get glory even in a prison. And the Bible says that they stayed when they could have ran. Listen, if the older generation really wants to know how to help reach the younger generation, tell us about how when your marriage shook and you could have ran and you could have took the easy way out, you could have stepped out, but you stayed. Tell us about how when things got shaky in church and people started talking about you and gossiping about you, you stayed. Tell us about how on your job, when people started stabbing you in the back and doing you dirty, you stayed. Do I have any people in this room that say, I'm going to stick and stay? I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Shout, I cannot be moved. You can't move me. You can't move me. God meant for me to be here. See, 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 you can play softly. You can, you can play softly. The Bible says the doors were open, but they didn't run. Why wouldn't you run? Because Paul saw opportunity in the midst of opposition. Paul saw advancement in the midst of adversity. 
Because if you read in the book of Philippians, which is in the same city he's in, he says, my bonds are for the furthering, for the, the advancement of the gospel. I came to tell you, tell somebody that, that, that the reason that you have to remain, the reason you have to stick and you have to stay where you are is because God has a door open for you. So if the prison doors weren't the doors, then what was the door? Paul says, those doors, he said, uh-uh, that's not my door. He's my door. There was a door of ministry for Paul. The Bible says that, that there was a jailer after the shaking. He took a sword, and he was about to kill himself. And Paul says, wait, hold on, stop. We're all here. We're all accounted for. I came to tell somebody today, put the sword down. I know things are shaky. Put the pills down. I know things are going crazy in your life. Take the bullets out of the gun. God says the fact that everything shook and you're still alive and it didn't kill you, the shaking was not sent to kill you. It was sent to bless you. Everybody stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Paul could have ran. Silas could have ran, but he stayed because there was ministry. And God says, just because you stayed, he says, I'm going to open a great door for you. Just because you stuck it out in your marriage, I'm going to open a great and mighty door for you. God says, it's going to be the best years that you and your husband and your wife have ever experienced. He says, I know things got shaky. He says, but I was just trying to show you what's temporary and what's eternal. I was just trying to show you the difference between the foundation that you built things on. God says, you're about to enjoy some of the best years of your life. I don't know who you are and who that was for. But God says, I know things got shaky. And the jailer, the jailer was going to kill himself. Paul says, we're here. We're counted for. You know what I learned by reading this? Here's number five. I learned that the shaking shows you the power of your praise and your prayer life. You know what I believe happened in this story? I believe that it was the praise and the prayer life of Paul and Silas that provoked the shaking. And I believe that God had the best in mind for this jailer, watch this, who had a different foundation. I don't know who you are in this room. And you may not have the word of God as your foundation. And things may have gotten shaky in your life and you can't understand why. It's because God has been trying to show you that he's everything you need. He's everything that you want. Everybody close your eyes for a second. If you're in this room and you say, I am not where I need to be with Jesus. Everything got shaky and I, and I couldn't understand it. I, I really did want to kill myself. I really did want to take my life. There's some of you in this room, you were contemplating doing it right after this service. But God says, he came to save you. He says, even though you weren't his, he says, I extended my mercy just for this moment. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. Everybody do me a favor. Take your hand and put it over your heart. And if you're in this room and you say, I need to give my life to the Lord Jesus. Things got shaky, but he was trying to show me that he's my everything. I put my trust in people. I put, put my trust in the wrong things, but God's been trying to show. If that's you in this room and you want to give your life to Jesus today, lift up your hand right now, right now, wherever you are, wherever you are. Just raise your hand, raise your hand. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to give my life to the Lord. Jesus, 
Everybody with your hand over your heart, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, say, come into my life. Say, save me by your precious blood. Say, forgive me for all of my sins. Say, redeem me as your child. Say, Lord Jesus, I love you with all of my heart. Come on, say, Lord Jesus, I love you with all of my strength. Say, teach me how to walk in your ways in Jesus' name. Now, the second thing that I want to do is the Lord told me today that there are some people in this room. God says you've been trying to stick it out, stick it out, stay and stick it out. And you've been trying to stick it out in your own strength. And God says you need fresh strength today. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody in this room, we're going to pray. And we're going to lift up a praise to God. Because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There is somebody in this room who needs strength. So I want you to take your hand and put it on the person's shoulder beside you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift up your voice as loud as you can and pray in the spirit. Here we go. Come on. Come on, pray, 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 pray. Somebody was thinking about walking out on their wife or walking out on their husband. Come on, pray. Somebody was thinking about quitting their job. Come on, pray. Somebody was thinking about giving up their child. I can't do this. I can't raise them. They're too crazy. But God says, come on, fresh strength. I release fresh strength into the house. I release the strength of God, the strength of the Holy Ghost. God says I shook everything because I was trying to give you a revelation of what you carry. I was trying to give you a revelation of your foundation. I was trying to give you a revelation. Come on, pray. Now, everybody lift up your hands and let's worship. this morning. Amen. We've got a praise for it. Thank you, brother. It could change your life if you allow it. Amen. It could change your life if you allow it. That's why I try to say about every time I come up is this. Don't leave it in the room. It could change your life if you take it out the doors. 
and take it to your house and take it to your workplace and all those different types of things to your, to your mother-in-law's house or, you know, stuff like that. It could change somebody's life. I'm going to pray for you and dismiss before I do. I want to remind you, those of you that are our guests, we're going to ask you, if you when we dismiss in a second, if you go out this door and to the, there's a room to your left, you can drop off your, your uh, guest card there. You can go up your guest card even at the info counter. But we'd love for you to drop by and allow us to meet you. Pastor Josh is already heading that way. Uh, I will also be going that direction as well as a few of our staff. We'll meet you there. Give us an opportunity to shake your hand and thank you for coming if you're our guest today. Also, keep in mind that we have, we have our backpack uh, offering next week, but not only is it the offering, it's also going to be a sign-up day for you to help us. It's going to give you all the different options for you to serve that, that next week after. There's so many different opportunities and things like that for you to be able to serve. We want to give you an opportunity not just to give, but to be a part and serve with us. Is that okay? So if you want to serve or you want to do something, there's many, many, many opportunities. We'll show you what they are. You know, God's got it all in control. Amen? All right, and don't forget that also next week, Pastor Rayleigh will be back. He's going to be fired up, ready to go. So make sure you're in the house. When I, right after I pray, which I'm going to do right now, there's going to be pastors that are going to be on both sides here. They're going to be standing here. They're standing here for you. If you got something that you would like for them to agree with you in prayer about, that's why they're there. Just ease up here and pray with them, and then you can ease on out. But we want to pray with you if you'll allow us. So if you needed to agree with in prayer about something, there's power and agreement. You can step by. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you so much, God, for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. God, you brought a word to us this morning. So God, I pray right now, God, that we begin to think about it. Maybe even go back and read the scripture. God, be, what, read what it says about the scripture in our commentaries. Apply it to our life. God, and we can be changed forever. Some of us need to build that foundation. Some of us need to have a stronger prayer life. God, help us to do whatever we need in our life because we want to change in order to be closer to you. We thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you. The pastors are now walking up front. If you want to come up there, guest, I'll see you in the back.